ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಸೊ ರೀಡಿಂಗ್ ಫ್ರಾಮ್ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ ಭಾಗವತಂ ಕ್ಯಾಂಟ್ ಓಫ್ ಫೋರ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಟ್ವೆಂಟಿ ಫೋರ್ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ ಟ್ವೆಂಟಿ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಸಾತಾನ್ ಪ್ರಪನ್ನಾರ್ತಿ ಹರೋ ಸಾತಾನ್ ಪ್ರಪನ್ನಾರ್ತಿ ಹರೋ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಧರ್ಮ ವತ್ಸಲ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಧರ್ಮ ವತ್ಸಲ ಧರ್ಮಜ್ಞಾನಶೀಲ ಸಂಪನ್ನ ಧರ್ಮಜ್ಞಾನಶೀಲ ಸಂಪನ್ನ ಪ್ರೀತ ಪ್ರೀತನ್ ಉಚ ಪ್ರೀತ ಪ್ರೀತನ್ ಉಚ ವರ್ಡ್ ಫಾರ್ ವರ್ಡ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಲೇಷನ್ ಸ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಶಿವಾ ತಾನ್ ದೆಂ ಪ್ರಪನ್ನ ಆರ್ತಿ ಹರಾಹ one who drives away all kinds of danger bhagwan the lord dharma vatsalaha very much fond of religious principles dharma gyan persons who are aware of religious principles shila sampannan very well behaved Preetaha, being pleased, Preetan, of very gentle behavior, Uvacha, talked with them, Ha, in the past. Translation, Lord Shiva became very pleased with the Prachetas because generally Lord Shiva is the protector of pious persons and persons of gentle behavior. being very much pleased with the princes he began to speak as follows purport by his divine guest shila prabhupad pad ki jaye the supreme personality of godhead vishnu or krishna is known as bhakta vatsala and herein we find lord shiva described as dharma vatsala of course the word dharma vatsala refers to a person who lives according to religious principles that is understood nonetheless these two words have additional significance sometimes lord shiva has to deal with persons who are in the modes of passion and ignorance such persons are not always very much religious and pious in their activities but since they uh, they worship lord shiva for some material profit they sometimes obey the religious principles as soon as lord shiva sees that his devotees are following religious principles he blesses them the prachetas son or sons of prachin barhi were naturally very pious and gentle and consequently lord shiva was immediately pleased with them lord shiva could understand that the princes were sons of vaishnavas and as such lord shiva offered prayers to the supreme personality of godhead as follows
ಜ್ಞಾನಂಜನಾಶಲಾಕಯಾ ಚಕ್ಷುರುನ್ಮಿಲಿತೇನ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರ್ವೇ ನಮಃ ಶ್ರೀಚೈತನ್ಯ ಮನೋಭೀಷ್ಟ ಸ್ಥಾಪಿತೇನ ಭೂತಲೆ ಸ್ವಯಂ ಕದಾಮಹ್ಯಂ ತದಾತಿ ಸ್ವಾಪದಂತಿಕ ಜೈ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭುನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀಅದ್ವೈತಗದಾಧರ ಶಿವಾಸದಿ ಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಸೊ ದ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಲೇಷನ್ ಇಸ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಶಿವಾ ಬಿಕೇಮ್ ವೆರಿ ಪ್ಲೀಸ್ಡ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ಪ್ರಚೇತಾಸ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಜನರಲಿ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಶಿವಾ ಇಸ್ ದ ಪ್ರೊಟೆಕ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ಪಾಯಸ್ ಪರ್ಸನ್ಸ್ and persons of gentle behavior being very much pleased with the princess he began to speak as follows so we see that in this whole past time initially it was maharaj prithu and then briefly his descendants were described and then now there is more emphasis on these prachetas and <clears throat> in the verses coming up to this particular verse um there is a description how the prachetas <clears throat> um they were um they have decided to go to perform austerities because that was the instruction by their father king prachinbarhi so when they are on their way they see a beautiful lake and there is a description of the lake that the lake is so beautiful that there are such nice birds chirping around it's extremely peaceful it's blissful around that place and there are so many lotuses growing in that lake and then who appears lord shiva happens to be there now although from the previous verses it seems like a coincidence that prachetas have reached this place which is very beautiful and uh, the it is described that the lake is so peaceful it is like the mind of a saint and then suddenly lord shiva appears there with his associates he's coming out of the lake but um in the next few verses we'll come to know that lord shiva has actually intentionally come to meet the prachetas so um it is mentioned here shila prapa describes that when we are pious when we have piety in us then we automatically um uh, attract the blessings of the vaishnavas you see prachetas were not performing any austerities or they were no, not desiring to meet lord shiva yet they ended up meeting him because they were extremely pious and gentle um, devotees and at this stage they were not complete devotees because their father's instruction was to perform austerities so that they can become capable of creating progeny you see who was king prachin barhi he is as mentioned in the verses before that he is extremely perfect at karmakand rituals so there are scriptures in the vedas that actually um, um empower you if you follow the if you do the yagyas if you follow the injunctions and the rules and regulations if you give charity as mentioned in the scriptures what do you get you can get opulence as much opulence as you want you can gain victory over your enemies you can gain physical strength you can gain um, um a big kingdom so these kind of script uh, these kind of injunctions are mentioned in the scriptures and if you follow them you can attain all this material opulences so king prachin barhi it is mentioned was perfect at these karmakand activities he was very to the point and he could follow the scriptural injunctions perfectly 
and because he was good at that he was one of the prajapatis just like swambhuv manu and daksha he was considered one of the prajapatis and then he was given the responsibility of creating progeny so in that manner he also then engaged his sons to do so and because his sons were very submissive and obedient so they listened to the father and then lord shiva here he understands that there are perfect ground they have perfect consciousness to be given bhakti to be taken to a higher level you see because when we are only performing um uh austerities or giving charity uh for material gains then yes we are pious we living a pious life and then the next birth we will again take um birth in a very pious situation and we will have a pious life but we are still stuck in the cycle of birth and death we are not able to come out of the cycle of birth and death even if we have piety so we have to take this piety to the next level to the level of bhakti so um lord shiva is actually trying to give them that and lord shiva has actually specially appeared before them because he knows that he has that consciousness where they can take it up and lord shiva doesn't as propad mentions he doesn't appear in front of everyone in front of mere mortals we can't see lord shiva but uh, um here he is himself coming and presenting himself in front of these uh, prachetas and like Yamuna Lila Mataji mentioned in yesterday's class that Bhasma Sur was actually performing severe sacrifices. What was he sacrificing? He was chopping off the limbs of his body and uh, offering it to Lord Shiva. You see how it's a sacrifice in mode of ignorance. You chopping off your body parts and offering to Lord Shiva, but yet Lord Shiva didn't reject that. He appeared before he was about to chop off his head. So when he still granted the boon he wanted, so that way Lord Shiva is very merciful even to such uh, devotees of his then what to talk of uh, people who have consciousness like prachetas but then we have to understand that piety just in itself is not an end it's a means to an end the end being pure devotional service and rupago swami also mentions in nectar of instruction niyamagraha following rules and regulations just for the sake of following them is uh, not going to give you any benefit you follow the rules because they are conducive to our spiritual progress so talking of piety once shila prabhupad when he was in the west and he had just started preaching he had just arrived there in 1965 66 so um, then um, the the followers at that time they were still very new and then they heard from bhagavad gita that you have to have some quota of piety to be able to become devotees so then they asked prabhupad prabhupad how is it possible that we became devotees because we were very degraded we are falling we are living a very lowly life so he he actually says to them he said i have created your piety so you don't worry you just engage in devotion so you see that is so it is mentioned that books books are the basis preaching is the essence and purity is the force so such was the great force divine force of shila propad's preaching that outwent all the uh, degraded consciousness and in came all the four regulatory principles so his disciples who were at completely in mode of ignorance not even mode of passion they could come to the mode of goodness they could follow the four regulatory principles and and propad mentions in propad lila amrit that these four regulatory principles 
are just the bare minimum. They bring you to a level of civility. You see, if you're not even following these four principles, then you can't even be considered a human being. You see, this is the, these are the basics of living like a human being. And uh, in this way, he explained to them that piety will be created. You just engage in devotion. He assured them. And then um, Srila Prabhupada was very pure and gentle, we know. And then in, in Bhaktivedanta Manor, when he was preaching in London, in Bhaktivedanta Manor, once after very nice ecstatic chanting and kirtan, and he was leading the kirtan, and then he mentions to the devotees, he said, did you see um, Lord Shiva and Narad Muni were here? And the devotees were surprised to hear that. And he said, yes, they were here. They were here to hear the chanting and the kirtan. So you see, all these people in the world who have material desires, they are trying to attract the attention of the demigods. But the demigods are attracted towards Prabhupada. You see, because he's engaged in something that is even enlivening to them. Whereas when people in general are worshipping them for their materialistic desires, it is still a materialistic reason that the normal, their devotees are worshipping them. But what Prabhupada is engaged in is the most enlivening activity, the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. And even the demigods become attracted towards that. In this purport, Srila Prabhupada emphasizes on two more uh, words, Dharma Vatsala and Bhakta Vatsala. So Dharma Vatsala is what I just described, that following the injunctions, the rules and regulations, is you following the path of Dharma. So, um, but just, so those who follow the path of dharma are, me, are the karmis. And Srila Prabhupada mentions also in Upadesh Amrita that they are better than vikarmis, those who completely reject the religious principles mentioned in, in the scriptures, and they just want to f- pursue sense gratification ruthlessly. So they're called the vikarmis. And that is, that is demonic life, because you completely reject all the rules and regulations of the scriptures, you just want to pursue your sense gratification um, without any consideration to others. Uh, and then, better than them are the karmis who are engaged in fruitic, fruitive activities, but they at least want to follow the injunctions in the scriptures. So they're God-fearing. They understand that if they did a particular activity which was sinful, there'll be reactions. So they refrain from those, and they do those activities which they think will bring piety or good reactions. But we see in many um, um, pastimes in Bhag- Bhagavatam that um, Lord Krishna himself not, is not too much towards being a dharma vatsala person. He is a bhaktavatsal god, yes. He is bhaktavatsal. He becomes subjugated by the love of his devotees. And this specifically comes out in his pastime of the yagnik brahmanas. So the yagnik brahmanas were... Uh, they had accumulated huge amount of bhoga and all other paraphernalia that they needed to, um, to do yagya for the Lord, to do worship to the Lord. And Krishna was nearby. He and his cowherd friends, they were playing in the forest. And then the cowherd boys tell him that um, they are hungry. So he is... Uh, <clears throat> so Krishna tells them, okay, let's, nearby is a big yagya happening. Let's go there. They have immense bhoga and let's ask them. They'll give us some and then we can have that. So the Gopa boys, they go to um, the Yagnik Brahmanas 
and they request that Krishna and all of us are hungry. Can you please give us some bhoga? And the brahmana said, yeah, what are these little kids here for? We are doing great sacrifices for the pleasure of the Lord. And these little kids are just coming here for some bhoga and they're distracting our, um, you know, um, yagya. And all. they just says, no, 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 you, you can't have that. You just, and so they're, they ignore the gopa boys. So the cowherd boys, <coughs> they, they, they go back to um, Krishna and then Krishna says, okay, um, let's go to their wives. Maybe they will give us something. So um, the cowherd boys then go to the wives of the brahmanas. And the wives of the brahmanas had heard about Krishna. And they were very attracted towards Krishna. And now when they came to know that Krishna was just in the neighborhood, and he was playing, and he was hungry, so they immediately gathered whatever paraphernalia they could carry, the, the bhoga that they could carry, and they took all that to Krishna. And Krishna was very pleased. So you see how Krishna was pleased with them. Because... They, their love for the Lord was spontaneous. They saw that the Lord is there and he needs bhoga. And they did not take permission from their husband. Ideally, they should have taken permission from their husbands to go out. And then also take permission to even take all that bhoga that they needed for the yagyas. So that the, so the um, wives just disappeared with that. And then Krishna then... Uh, Krishna then uh, asks them, this is why have you come here? And they say, oh, we have come to give you all this bhoga because you were hungry, so we want to feed you. So they very lovingly give it to them, and he, he says, okay, now you should go back home. And they say, Krishna, we, are not, we have not come here to go back home because uh, our husbands now will be very upset with us. For one, we didn't take their permission to come. Secondly, we even took all the bhoga that they needed for the yagya, so they will be more upset. But somehow he, he consoles them and he sends them back. But in this way, he's establishing the principle that bhakti is higher than dharma, the duty or the scriptural injunctions. You see, because he says, Vedesh sarve aham veda vedyo. From the Vedas, I am to be understood. So he's the essence of all the Vedas. And then in, in the past times of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, also we see when the Lord was little Nimai, he was a little boy, he used to go to the banks of Ganga, and there he used to see some sadhus, some saints, they would be doing some pujas to the Lord. You see, they'll have all the paraphernalia there, and they'll be very strict about their injunction. They won't let anybody come near their proper time, proper place, and the right um, paraphernalia to be offered. And he would just go and take that away. He will just steal that, or he will just pollute that somehow. And uh, so they would, and they would get um, angry with him. But he would say, oh, don't do that. I am the one you worship me. Don't worry about this yagya. I'm right here w- with you. And then also the girls, young teenage girls who, were worship, who would worship um, Shivling, who would worship Lord Shiva to get good husbands. And um, he would go and um, put aside the deity of Lord Shiva and he would sit there. He said, you better worship me first. Because if you don't, then I will curse you that you will get married to old men, very old and useless men. And the girls used to get scared. This is okay, Nimai, we'll first worship you. So they would first offer their worship to him and then worry about anything else. So in this way, Mahaprabhu also established that love for the Lord, spontaneity and love for the Lord is higher than um, strictly following the injunctions, which actually can. It is explained that when we become too ritualistic, then we lose the connection to the real um, purpose, the real reason why we are performing that ritual. We don't understand that it is for the pleasure of the Lord. You see? 
and uh, and then Lord Krishna also in Krishna book it is mentioned that when he Krishna goes to Mathura and then when Krishna Balram have gone there for the first time then they want to go they want to take a tour of the city they want to visit the city of Mathura so they go there um, not sorry uh, yeah to Mathura so then when he when they are roaming in the city they come across a washerman and that washerman is very you know because in that it's Mathura city and then everybody serving Kamsa so he had these beautiful clothes which he said oh they are meant for Kamsa and they, he wouldn't give it to Krishna he was very um, strict and arrogant about that and then Lord Krishna actually killed him and took the clothes but at the same time when he went to Kubja Kubja also had made some very nice sandalwood paste and that also was meant for um, Kamsa but when Krishna and Balaram came to her and they said can we have this paste she was so full of um, love and emotions for them she very lovingly put that paste on their bodies and Krishna was very pleased with that so uh, and then he he just on the chin he just pushed Kubja up and Kubja was actually a bent woman was very bent and she became turned into a beautiful woman she could walk straight after that and even in in uh, Mahabharat there are many incidents where Lord Krishna actually doesn't follow the the rules for example during the battle of Kurukshetra when um, Arjuna was about to kill Karna he first hesitated because um, Krishna said to him that um, Karna's chariot is now stuck in the ground and he's struggling to get that out and he's unarmed and this is the right moment you should now shoot an arrow at him and, uh, and, and then Arjuna says I can't do that it's the rule is that you can't shoot an arrow you can't fight with an unarmed uh, warrior so he is right now unarmed I, I cannot but uh, and and you see Karna had got this curse it was a curse on him that's why he's that he had actually accidentally killed a cow because of which he had the curse that um, his uh, the situation would happen when his chariot got stuck in the ground in the battlefield so he was struggling to get that out and um, then he also had this curse that at the moment of his life when he will need to to remember the mantras the most to shoot arrows he will actually forget them so he was these two curses actually came upon at this point this was the weakest point of his life and then that's the time when uh, Arjuna was asked to shoot the arrow and then Krishna actually also reminds him that Karna didn't follow these rules of the war when he and Duryodhan and so many other got together and they killed little Abhimanyu see he was very young much much younger than all of these warriors and yet they didn't hesitate to kill him and all together they got on to him and they killed him and uh, also when in the Asat Sabha in the in the assembly of the Kurus when Draupadi was robed they didn't follow any rules so in this way then when it was time for um, Arjuna to kill um, Karna then Krishna reminded him you, you cannot hesitate now you must do it this is the time so then Srila Prabhupada explains that dharma what exactly you see the dharma in, in English it is just uh, translated as duty so duty means you have duty towards your family your society country but this is a very restricted and incomplete definition of the word dharma 
you see because dharma actually means dharma is that which does not change so when we are when we are a small child one is a child then our dharma is to study listen to the parents when you grow up your dharma is to get married have children look after your wife and children and then you grow up more then you grow older it changes but dharma is meant to be eternal something that doesn't change no matter what stage you are of life and whether you're a man or a woman or you're old you're young and that rupa explains is the dharma of the soul <clears throat> so when we talk of dharma it means sanatan dharma eternal it will retain remain eternal and shila prabhupad gives that classic example of um just like the fire it is dharma means an inseparable quality just like when you have a fire you have you will get light and heat it is natural you cannot take away light or heat from fire so similarly he says this is the intrinsic nature that we all have within us so just as fire has this intrinsic nature of giving heat and light water has this intrinsic nature of making wet you cannot touch water and accept and expect that you wouldn't get wet so that comes naturally to water you see and then he says to the soul it naturally occurs to be a servant and to be the servant of the supreme lord krishna but because we become covered over then we are not serving krishna we are serving maya we are still serving because that is our intrinsic nature but because we we have become bewildered by the illusory energy of the lord then we have we are now serving maya instead of krishna so that's how dharma is translated it is it is as is mentioned jivira swarup hoy krishnera nityada so we are eternal servants of the lord that is our original swarup that is our original spiritual position and also in bhagavad gita in chapter 18 krishna also mentioned he says sarve dharmam paritajya so he is actually talking about all these material duties that we mostly relate to he says you surrender to me and you give up all those external duties that you are so attached to and you surrender to me and you give up all protection protections and then i will protect you yeah he says i'll take away i'll 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 deliver you from all your sins you do not fear so that's why when dropadi was in that being was being disrobed she was initially trying to protect herself because her husband wouldn't and um, bishma wouldn't he was he pleaded she pleaded to all of them but they didn't protect her so when she realized she had no other hope then she took her hands up in the air and she completely focused her mind on krishna and there she was she was protected by the lord so that is the kind of surrender the lord expects from us when he says sarve dharmam paritajya do not rely on any other uh, sources of protection you see because as is mentioned in bhagavatam they are all our family members all our relations they are what fallible soldiers they will all fall down one day they can't protect us nobody can protect us only the lord can protect us so in this way um prabhupad has given us this especially in this verse he's mentioned how the lord is bhaktavatsala and uh, since today is also the disappearance day of um, gauridas pandit and um, shilurupa goswami so i'll briefly uh, talk about them and speaking of gauridas pandit he is also another example of how 
he subjugated the lord goridas pandit was uh, <clears throat> a great devotee of lord goranga and lord nityananda and he used to live in ambika kalna he his older brother suradas had two daughters um, janavi and vasuda and they were married to lord nityananda so he was the younger brother of suradas whose daughters were married to um, lord nityananda so this one time when um, lord goranga was planning to take sanyas that time he uh, wanted to visit goridas pandit because goridas pandit was very dear to him so before he wanted to take sanyas he wanted to visit them was it him once so he went to ambika kalna lord goranga and nityananda both of them went together and they were sitting under a tree outside his house now when goridas pandit saw them he was in great ecstasy he had not, never imagined that the lord will come to meet him in in especially to meet him in person so when they came he was in great ecstasy so he cooked very opulent dishes for them and he um, got nice garlands for them and he was all the time he was just uh, meditating on them like he was looking at them and he was you know he couldn't his ecstasy had no bounds so then he said gornitai now that you are here please don't ever go away i will not be able to survive please don't go away and gornitai they thinking we just have come to meet you because goranga has to take sanyas he says goridas i cannot do that i have to leave i have to go take sanyas and then i'm just came to visit you said no no that's not possible you cannot go from here so then uh, gornitai were in a fix what to do so then he suggested um uh, goranga said to um, goridas pandit he said what we, what you do is you make two deities similar to us just exactly like we gornitai you make two deities and you know that me and my deity are non different so we will reside and we will be there with you in the form of those two deities so you please do that no and goridas pandit said no just you i want you no one else not your deities i want you so he wouldn't listen so then gornitai they went outside okay let's let's think about what to do this of how to solve this situation then they went outside and they themselves came with um another pair of gornitai they, they came with their deities and four of them were now standing in front of goridas pandit and then uh, mahaprabhu said to goridas pandit goridas you now choose you want these two or these ones so then goridas pandit said oh the ones who are talking they are the real gornitai i will take them so he said okay you to come inside and the other two if they want they can go so um and so that's what they did gornitai went and stood on the altar and the other two they went and stood outside and then after some time that these two had become deities and those two were walking away and then he said no 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 those two are going outside should come inside and these can go so then these then gornitai outside came inside and they stood on the altar and these two went and walked outside and he got confused he said actually it doesn't matter which one of you stay and which one if you go it doesn't matter so at the end he realized that the lord and his deities form is non different it's completely non different and then it later on when he uh, had these deities in his home they actually used to talk to him and he used to interact with them he would cook numerous dishes for them and uh, and they would eat that bhoga they would actually honor that bhoga and then he would eat their remnants and then sometimes they would enact pastimes because goridas pandit is none other than subal sakha in krishna leela so one time uh, mahaprabhu said to goridas goridas do you remember our krishna leela he said i am krishna 
Nittai, is Balaram, and you are Subal. And then suddenly, they, all three of them took the original forms of Krishna, Balaram, and Subal, and they were enacting the cowherd pastimes of Krishna Leela. So in this way, Gauridas Pandit had very enlivening pastimes, and the, and the whole of his life, he served, served these deities of God Nittai. And then, um, when he became old, then Gornitai would often request to him, he said, Goridas, you are really old, and it is a really lot of hard labor for you to cook so many dishes for us. You please make one or two, and we'll be satisfied. And, uh, but, uh, and Goridas wouldn't listen. So one day, Gornitai said, they're just pretending that they are angry with him. They said, oh, we don't want to eat. We are not hungry. So then Goridas also understood what the issue was, and he also said, okay, I'm also not hungry, so let three of us not eat, and let's just go hungry. So, um, and then, then Mahaprabhu smiled and he explained to him, he said, we have been telling you not to cook so many dishes, so you please stop, you cook only a few, and we'll be satisfied. And then Gauridas Pandit said, okay, so today you eat, and tomorrow we'll look into it, we'll see what to do. But he never stopped. Till the end of his life, he kept cooking numerous dishes for them, and they could do nothing about it. So in this way, Gauridas Pandit served these deities of Gornitai, who were none other than the actual Gornitai. So you see how... The Lord is Bhaktavatsala. He actually came and lived with his devotee because that's what he desired. You see, that's how enlivening and sweet the Lord's interactions are with his devotees, those who actually are so pure that they can actually capture the Lord. And then Gauridas Pandit had this um, <clears throat> disciple, Hridayananda. So once Gauridas Pandit, um, it was the um, uh, appearance day of Mahaprabhu was approaching. So Gauridas Pandit would usually um, celebrate it with great opulence and invite all the Vaishnavas in the neighborhood and everybody would come. And uh, so then he, to do that, he would go to his disciples to um, collect some donations. So this one time he asked Hridayananda, <clears throat> to stay and look after the deities while he goes away and um, gets uh, some donations so that they can have some opulent offerings for the Lord. So he went away and he was gone for a few days. And Hridayananda is very lovingly looking after the Gornitai deities. So it was only three days left to the appearance day of the Lord. And um, Hridayananda got worried that <clears throat> that my Guru Maharaj usually sends out invitations, and now there's only three days left, and the invitations haven't gone out yet. Maybe I should send the invitations. So he personally writes those invitations, and he sends out to all the Vaishnavs. And then uh, Gauridas Pandit arrives the same day. So although in his heart he was pleased that Hridananda has done the right thing, and he sent out the invitations, but externally, just to test Hridananda, he said, oh, you are trying to be so independent, that without my permission, you decided to send out the invitations on your own. So then he um, sort of was chastising Hridananda. He said, oh, you don't deserve to live here anymore. You just go. So Hridananda accepted the chastisement, but he did not get upset. And he went and started living on the bank of um, River Ganga, just uh, at a small distance from where um, uh, Gauridas Pandit's house was. So then one time, there was this huge... Um, some... Um, businessman came in a boat and he gave a lot of donation to um, Hridayananda. And Hridayananda thought it is best to give it to his Guru Maharaj, so he brings it to Gauridas Pandit. And Gauridas Pandit happily accepts it and they decide to have a, a big festival for the Lord. 
So then they hold, and then Gauridas Pandit says, okay, let's hold two festivals. You hold one on the river of, uh, near the river, uh, Ganga, and I'll hold one at my home. So that's, so both the festivals started and they were going on. And then when um, the Pujari, who was serving the Gornitai in um, Gauridas Pandit's house, he suddenly opened the altar to offer bhoga to the Lord. He saw that Gornitai had disappeared. Where were they? And he told Gauridas Pandit, and Gauridas Pandit thought for a moment and he reflected, okay, I know where they are. He took a stick and he went out chasing Gornitai. He says, I am going to bring you back. So he goes there and he sees where are they. They are nicely chanting and dancing in the kirtan that is happening on the banks of river Ganga that Hridayananda is carrying on. So Hridayananda was such a great devotee of the Lord that Gornitai became attracted and they, all, they ran off there and they are nicely chanting and dancing in the kirtan. And when um, uh, Gauridas Pandit sees that he, they are there, so he's coming there with a the stick, and Gornitai see that, oh, there he is. So what do they do? They become scared, and they quickly go, and they enter the heart of Hridayananda. And when um, Gauridas Pandit sees this, he's in ecstasy, he's in great tears, and he, he, he embraces Hridayananda, and he says, you are so great that the Lord has taken refuge in your heart. So that's why from today on, your name is Hridaya Chaitanya. So Hridayananda from then on is called Hridaya Chaitanya because the Lord, God Nita himself, take refuge in his, in his heart. And, um, and when God Nita see that, okay, now Gauridas Pandit has calmed down, he's not angry anymore, they come out and then they go back onto the altar in his house. So uh, in this way, Gauridas Pandit left, uh, lived the whole of his life serving Gornitai and having such enlivening pastimes with him. Okay, so I'll also briefly speak on uh, Sri Rupa Goswami. So we know that Sri Rupa Goswami, he is the leader, considered leader of our Sampradaya. And he was the one who got a lot of instructions, personal instructions from Mahaprabhu um, to uh, to again um, start or uh, again re-enlighten the Krishna consciousness movement. So it is mentioned that uh, without the mercy of Rupa Goswami, we cannot enter into the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And without uh, the mercy or the blessings of Rupa Manjari, because Rupa Goswami is none other than Rupa Manjari in the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. So without the blessings or the permission of Rupa Manjari, you cannot enter the pastimes of Shishi Radha and Krishna. So um, Rupa Goswami were three brothers. As you know, Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami and Anupam. And they were the sons of Kumara Dev. And they were Saraswat Brahmanas. And uh, they were from a very opulent family. And um, then they, they were forced to become the ministers of the mm, ruler, Nawab Hussain Shah. You see, that was the time when the Mughals had invaded India and they had gone up to, they started from north and they had gone up to down south. Even up to Orissa, they were ruling um, the Indian uh, subcontinent. So then Nawab Hussain Shah had actually consulted his astrologer to find out how he can rule properly and how he can be successful as a ruler. So 
So the astrologer had actually told him that in our kingdom, we have these two boys, and they're extremely learned, and they will be very good administrators. If you hire them and engage them in administrative services in your court, then you will be extremely successful and opulent. So then Hussein Shah actually forced uh, Rupa and Sanatan Goswami to take positions as the chief secretary and as the financial secretary in his government, in, in his kingdom. So, uh, and because they had to do, and he had threatened, if you don't, then I will harm your families or I will cause some kind of harm to your family. So then they were forced to take those positions. So anyway, they did that. But because they had to do that, then the caste brahmanas of that time, the ritualistic brahmanas, they considered them an outcast. And even themselves, they felt that they were working under a Muslim ruler. Now, what is their situation? They are no more Brahmins or Vaishnavs. They considered themselves extremely lowly. And uh, so they made their headquarters in Ramkeli. So although they were serving the, the Hussein Shah, they were in the Muslim ruler, their minds were constantly focused on Mahaprabhu. And they were praying to Mahaprabhu somehow if they can um, come to him and meet him and serve him, then that will be the perfection of their life. So they were extremely um, desirous of meeting the Lord. So then <clears throat> Rupa and Sanatan were both ministers. So Rupa decided to go first. So Rupa Goswami, he resigned from his position, and he, with his younger brother Anupam, they left. And they went to first to Jessore, which is their um, hometown, which is their ancestral homes. And because they were, um, they were looking after the lot of Vaishnavas, whatever wealth they had, they distributed it among all the Vaishnav families who were de uh, dependent on them. So he, they do, did that. And then they left, Rupa Goswami left 10,000 gold coins for Sanatan Goswami, just in case he needs them. And as, he, as we know, he did need them because after Rupa Goswami had left and when Sanatan told Hussein Shah that he also wants to leave, then Hussein Shah had become upset and he had imprisoned Sanatan Goswami and then Sanatan Goswami was able to escape from the prison by giving these 10,000 gold coins. So in this way Rupa Goswami he was able to escape first and then Sanatan Goswami had followed. So when Rupa Goswami um, came to know that Mahaprabhu is uh, his left Puri and he is going to Vrindavan so um, he was able to make uh, he was able to meet Mahaprabhu in Prayag. And the we know the famous incident of Dasham Maved Ghat where they both had a very nice discussion and where uh, Mahaprabhu uh, discussed the different levels of bhakti in detail with Rupa Goswami. And he gave him two main instructions. One was to, um, to find out the pastimes the places of pastimes of uh, Radha and Krishna in Vrindavan, different pa places of pastimes, and re-establish temples there again. Because you see, the Mughal, the Mughal ruler Aurangzeb, when he came to power, he became very envious of the opulence of the Vaishnavs. From his red fort in Delhi, from his uh, palace in Delhi, he wasn't able to see anything except a huge building, which was in Vrindavan. And what was it? It was the Lord's temple there. And what he had done was he sent his soldiers and destroyed the, the three floors. Now we, what we see is only two floors of the temple. So in this way, he destroyed many temples. And that's why a lot of the deities um, of the Goswamis and even prior to them, 
Lord Krishna's uh, grandson had established many temples. So those original deities were moved to Jaipur. So um, that's why um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had asked Rupa Goswami to, uh, to get those, um, uh, find those pastimes, those Leela Sthalis where it all happened and re-established Vaishnavism. So Rupa Goswami is known as, as the foremost um, leader who actually found out those places. But he was actually struggling. Initially he couldn't. So he was once sitting in the forest of Rindavan and he was lamenting that he can't find, he can't follow the instructions given to him by um, Mahaprabhu and he couldn't find Govindevji, the deity of Govindevji. So this deity was established in a temple by Krishna's grandson himself. Vajranabha had established this deity. And then he couldn't find. So one day he was very morose. He was sitting in the forest and he was wondering how he will do this task, this responsibility given to him by Mahaprabhu. So then this one boy came to him, a cowherd boy, and he says, Baba, why do you cry? I will tell you something. So he tells him that there is a hill, Gomitala, there's a hill nearby, uh, he said, you go there, and there there is a cow who comes and um, milk flows unlimitedly out of her udders onto the ground over there. So there must be something special there. So um, this uh, Kahut boy takes Rupa Goswami to that place. And Rupa Goswami goes there, and he actually asks some of the... Um, he sees, he sees that after some time the Surabhi cow, cow has come there and milk is flowing from her udders and going down into the ground and goes on and on for some time. So he becomes very mystified with this um, um, event when he sees this. So he quickly goes to the villagers and says, let's come and dig and see what's it. And not very far from the ground when the villagers were digging, they found the beautiful deity of Govindevji. So Govindevji is the deity that is... Uh, and, and then... Uh, is the deity of Rupa Goswami, as we know, and it is worshipped, and it was worshipped all life long by uh, Rupa Goswami. Um, and Rupa Goswami, the second instruction that was given to him was that he had to um, write Vaishnava philosophy so that um, the coming generations could uh, take advantage and understood the, understand the Vaishnava philosophy. And uh, so uh, Rupa Goswami had uh, uh, written many uh, books. We all know he's written so many books. And when, while Mahaprabhu was still on the planet, he was thinking of writing two dramas, um, one on the Lord's Dwarka Leela and one on the Lord's Vrindavan Leela. No, not two. Initially, he thought he will do them as one. But then, um, Satyabhama, the queen of Lord Krishna, herself came to his dream and said that, no, you please do them separately. Don't do them together. So that's why he wrote two uh, dramas, Vigda Madhav and Lalita Madhav. He wrote two separate dramas, one um, on the pastimes of the Lord in Dwarka and another on the pastimes of the Lord in Vrindavan. So in this way, and then while he was still writing, he happened to show them to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very pleased to see his writings at that time. So in this way, he wrote these two, and then so many other. We know that Nectar of Induction, Upadesh Amrita. And Srila Prabhupada describes that Upadesh Amrita is extremely important for us. In the preface, he mentions that for the neophyte devotees, for the beginners, it, give, it gives all the guidelines that you need to start your process of devotional service. So in this way, Rupa Goswami has given us all these... Uh, different books that we should read. Prabhupada always said we don't read enough. 
that we should read and then also preach to others. So, um, and then after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left in 1534, after that, um, Rupa Goswami was considered the main leaders of the Vaishnavas. And he, he took the responsibility of the Gaudiya Vaishnav tradition and brought it forward. And then after that, as we know, then Jiva Goswami was the primary leading person who also wrote many books. So I will stop here and see if there are any questions or corrections or comments. Yes, Prabhuji. Um, you were mentioning about the gopis in Vrindavan mm-hmm. and how they were worshipping Lord Shiva. Yes. To get to the husband, but then instead they worship Krishna, and then you were mentioning how spontaneous affection is higher than mm-hmm. uh, following somebody. This is in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela. Uh, the, the ladies at that time were worshipping Lord Shiva oh. and Nimai said to them, look, you have to worship me, otherwise I will curse you to get old men as husbands. So now my question is that um, is there any census for practicing devotees where we can bend the rules and regulations because of spontaneous attraction to Krishna? So, okay. So the very fact that we are practicing devotees, that means we are practicing to become devotees. We have not become devotees yet. You see, we are not the quality, our quality of devotion is not that what Mahaprabhu is talking about. You see, our quality of chanting the holy names of the Lord has not come to the level that Mahaprabhu is talking about. So for us, uh, bending rules and regulations means we are following our own mind. We don't want to follow the rules. We want to do the Lord's service, but we want to do it the way we want. You see? And that is not good for our sadhana. Mm. that's the thing having said that dharma vatsala bhakta vatsala is better and spontaneous love to the lord is better we have to make sure we have to understand that we are not at that level of spontaneous love to the lord yet are we we are still practicing to become devotees we are not devotees yet we have to bhurjan prabhu makes this point very clear that just because externally we dress up like devotees we wear dhoti and kurta and tilak and kantimala or saris and that doesn't make us devotees. Externally, we have learned to dress up like devotees, but internally, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of cleansing to be done, you see? So that's why, for us, following rules and regulations is of utmost importance. But not ritualistic rules and regulations, but rules and regulations that help us progress in spiritual life. Right? For example, Prabhupada says we should follow cleanliness, truthfulness, austerity, mercy, and if you see, Prabhupada himself wasn't living like a strict brahmana f- as per the scriptures. He was living like a Vaishnava, like a devotee. His whole routine was um, planned according to what preaching program has he to go next. Hmm? Um, the other day, um, in the, there was, we recently had last Sunday, I think we had the orientation session for Bhakti Shastri. So all the students who had enrolled or expressed their interest to do Bhakti Shastri, we were... We were um, having a session, and uh, Anirudh Prabhu was addressing them. So he mentioned this one thing. He said that uh, how it actually started was that a lot of devotees had not read Prabhupada Lilamrit. You see, what is, the, what is the purpose of reading Prabhupada Lilamrit? So that we can develop love and um, a, a connection with Prabhupada, right? The more we know a person, the more we will like him and the more we will follow him. If you still haven't developed enough familiarity, enough affection and reverence towards Prabhupada, why would we follow him? So when you say you're an ISKCON devotee, and then 
and you don't know Prabhupada, what, what, how much will you be able to do? It will be limited. But that's the point Anirudh Prabhu was making, that if you uh, uh, don't read Prabhupada Lilamrit, then we, you, you can't do Bhakti Shastri, that's a prerequisite. So then he, uh, he asked all the students who were sitting there, all the devotees, that are you following Chaturmasya Vrat? They, some of them said, yes, yes, we're following, we're following. He said, forget about the Chaturmasya Vrat and read Lilamrit. <laughs> because you will become closer to Prabhupada and you will assist him more in preaching. You see, you will assist him more. Because you have to understand, Prabhupada, Prabhupada Lilamrit is so sweet. And the amount of sacrifices he has made, your head will hang in shame. Really, your head will hang in shame because we are just enjoying the facilities that he has left behind for us. We are just living in our comfort zones. We are not pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones to do more and more for Prabhupada. So that's, that's the mood. So follow rules and regulations to progress in bhakti. So if that requires you to put aside your Chaturma Sevrata and read Prabhupada Lamrit, do that because it's, time is only 24 hours in the day. You do that. And then uh, Anil Prabhu also mentioned uh, where um, it was the second month of Chaturmasya where you're not supposed to eat yogurt. And Prabhupada was feeling a lot of heat in his body. And so he asked one of his um, disciples, give me some yogurt. And he said, oh, Prabhupada, it's the second month. You, you can't have it. And Prabhupada said, oh, you're going to stop me from having yogurt now? And he took it and he had it. You see, because he has to keep himself fit to preach. He was working towards a higher mission, towards a higher goal in life. So, yeah, Prabhupada was not a fanatic about rules and regulations, but then at the same time, follow rules and regulations to progress in spiritual life and to preach. That's the purpose. Right? For us, giving up rules and regulations because, because it's also a rule that you should have read Prabhupada Lilamrit. And if you don't read it, oh, we can't. We are spontaneous lovers of Krishna. Why do we need to read Prabhupada Lilamrit? That's not, that's not fair. So you see, don't bend and break rules because we are right now not qualified to bend and break rules. We are not at that level yet. The level that Mahaprabhu is talking about of devotees, of, of being qualified to call a devotee, we are all not that, there yet. We are practicing devotees. So we are practicing to become devotees. Does that make it clear, Prabhu? Thank you. Anything else? Yes, Seman Prabhu. So for that again, I would say you should read Prabhupada Lilamrit. Because when we are reading Lilamrit, we are actually associating with him. And when you're associating with him, you will become compassionate like him. I'll give you an example. Like yesterday, we had huge crowds. You were all there to do Julin. And you saw this massive crowd. And our temple seemed small for the amount of guests we had yesterday and the devotees we had yesterday. So, um, and what was happening was I was outside. I was watching everybody. We are all supposed to be in a queue. So they were, but nobody was in the queue. They were crowding. They were not queuing. They were crowding. So there was a big crowd of devotees right from the door of the temple up until to the kitchen. That's how much the crowd was, up till the kitchen, okay? So, um, and then what I saw was I felt that 
there are so many guests in these lines so in how do you practice then in delhi you have to think there are so many guests here let me not be in the queue let them take darshan maybe this is the first time they have come to the temple and the impression that they will get today is could be the last impression because first impression is the last impression so let them be in the queue for the prashadam doesn't matter if you can't get prashadam let them have prashadam because this who knows this could be the last time they have come to the temple so you see this is how in a daily lives we have to see in every situation okay what should i do now can i sacrifice something and give it to others this is preaching and prabhupad will be happy if you did that and and sorry to say this hemant prabhu but mostly what i saw yesterday was the guests were not jumping the queues the devotees were jumping the queues those who are very familiar and they think that they know the temple more they are regular they're doing service so it gives them the right to jump the queues and be in front that's not so that's not the mood that prabhupad would appreciate you should think what would prabhupad think if i did this yeah so that's how we have to practice give others a turn who knows this could be the first time or the last time they came here so you have to be in that preaching mood all the time and how can you be in that mood if you read about prabhupad's life he made a lot of sacrifices and even his followers his disciples they made a lot of sacrifices for him they gave up everything so you will read lilamit mentions about how they also sacrificed their entire lives for them for him that will help that will help you come out of your comfort zone and not just think about yourself all the time yeah and then we can be we can do wonders these are little little things i mean devotees can move mountains but we have to start from these little things and then we can do wonders for prabhupad yeah thank you any other question or correction Yes Krishna Oh oh three questions okay quick cuz we're running out of time here In devotional service do we probably be working what's the first thing we need to consider which is the mind Yes mind and the senses The mind and the senses if they are in control Prabhupada that's what he mentions in Upadesh Amrita also he says the mind and the senses has to be in control only then you can progress in bhakti if the mind is completely out of control like you know the hippies were just like drunk and lying on the streets how can you preach to them hmm? so then slowly and slowly when propa actually fed them prashadam they so came back to their senses and then okay this is what we need to do yeah so the mind and the senses have to be in control yes because how can he fight without the chariot see some warriors they fight on chariots some are foot soldiers and some fight on elephants so they're different there is art there is cavalry and there is you know different kinds different levels so he was the one who was trained to uh, be on a chariot and fight so he wanted his chariot to move so that he could fight yeah they just left it because see his main eyesore was that he could see that temple from his fort in delhi he could see nothing else till vrindavan there was nothing else that he could see in the way but just that one temple so that temple was making him upset so he came out of envy he just told his soldiers to break it 
That's why he did just that temple. And of course other temples also. But when he had done the three floors, he thought he had done enough. So then he left that one alone and then he destroyed other temples also. Yeah. That's it? Okay. Yes, Dhruva Prabhu. Now that you have observed that the cases are getting ignored in the queue, as a magistrate, you should make a separate line for the cases and let them go ahead. And that's possible. We should have a separate queue for devotees and separate queue for the cases and let the case go ahead. Prabhu, that, that can be done. But why can't the devotees learn to give way to the guests? We want to cultivate that mood. You see, instead of separating and, okay, you have this and you have this. No, be together and learn to share. Where is the compassion? Hmm? Where is the preaching mood? <laughs> they should, yeah, they should. Yesterday they were trying to do it, but by the time they, they didn't have enough um, crowd management people and they had more bigger crowds, so it went a bit out of way, but they are more aware now. So... Janmashtami is very well planned. You don't have to worry about that. Janmashtami Day is taken care of. It is just that these festivals, they, yesterday they didn't expect such a big crowd, and we had that. So it's, I'm just giving an example. It's not that it's a serious major issue, but it's just an example that can help us understand how in a daily practice we can have that compassionate mood of Prabhupada. Yes, Prabhu. What are the karmic reactions? Well, there are, can't be any reactions, but you will not get much benefit, you see, isn't it? So I can't remember which pastime, but it's actually said that the devote, the, the Lord actually comes to visit the devotees who are back in the background cooking in the kitchen than those who are sitting here in the front. So they are getting more mercy because they are not watching the Abhishek, they are, sit, they are cooking the Lord's bhoga or they are cooking for the devotees while the devotees are sitting and watching this. So, yeah, the Lord is very pleased with them. He doesn't forget he doesn't forget who's where. He knows everything. Yes, Prabhu. In the Navagata Bhakti, the nine processes, we see that there are uh, ultimate authorities or the experts who have like uh, Parakshit Maharaj, Parakshat Maharaj. So, what I analyze is that except for Pradhan Maharaj, none of them actually follow the Yuga Dharma, but still attain. Like, for example, the Yuga Dharma for the Bhakti Yuga is Archana, but Parakshit Maharaj achieved. Perfection through Shavana. And the same thing applies to Shatadev Goswami. And Prithu mm-hmm. Maharaj in Sati Yuga. Yeah. And Archanam is through what he is. So undoubtedly this proves that Krishna is Bhaktavatsala. But does that imply to us also to some extent that if we are actually worshipping the Lord from uh, maybe doing daily worship or doing cooking or something else, uh, that also gives better. It is, definitely. See, all the nine processes of devotional service, you can do all of them, some of them, or only one. You will get the benefit. You have to perfect it, though. There has to be a quality to it, you see. Like when we chant, it has to be quality chanting. Then you can chant like Haridas Thakur. If you can chant like that, you don't need to do anything. But can we chant like Haridas Thakur? That's the thing. That's why we engage our mind in other different ways. Yeah, so. Yes, Ruzi? Sure. Thank you, Prabhuji. Yes, Krishna? Mm-hmm. Um, I also heard in the lecture that um, this Navahu 
that's true yeah he had threatened them because they were hesitant to become ministers in his in his government but he threatened them to harm them and the cows and the whole vaishnava tradition so then they had to agree to become ministers in his government yeah thank you for sharing that okay i think it's time now so today is the disappearance day of um, gauri das pandit and shila rupa goswami so let's sincerely pray to them and get their blessings so gauri das pandit ji ki jai and rupa goswami ki jai shila prabhupad ki shrimad bhagavatam ki jai nitai gaur premanandi